When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 442 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam joined by Jill. How's it going? Same old, same old. Same old, same old. And in fact, it's so much the same old, same old that I slacked you earlier this week. I was like, let's just bring it full circle and do the exact same thing we did the first week of quarantine 17 years ago when we first started all staying home. So we brought back Abby and Andrea. How are you ladies doing? I'm well. How are you? It's fine. Yeah, doing good. <laughs> um, so yes, people still continue to just enjoy these little roundtables. And as Jill and I have said several times, it's less work for us to do it this way as well. So uh, last time we had a, a, at least one child and one cat involved. So like, fingers crossed that that happens again. Oh, I promise you, like a children will know. <laughs> um see andrew no one can see this like andrew you like you look like you've got like a bookish background abby you have the same thing i do which is like a colorless void behind well you. i'm in our library yeah. i like it well. it's nice fancy what sounds super pompous to say but that's what i call it <laughs> well it's like in my old house i used to say that i had a reading room and it was really just because we had more bedrooms in the house than we needed and it was just a glorified office it had a chair in the corner so I called it my reading room <laughs> yeah I, I think this is technically an office but ugh, no it's a it's a library um we have a we have a co-worker on Jill and I's team whose also name is Adam and he just has a room where all of his flowers and plants are and he calls it his conservatory which I love he does he does indeed um <laughs> okay so we're gonna yeah and it's literally he's he lives in like an apartment it's not like he, it's like, it's like he's in no, a I think he has a house I think oh, he's a he? house I think so I could be wrong though Maybe he does live in Wayne Manor. Who knows? It's yeah. possible. <laughs> Learning a lot about him. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> we are going to go around in a virtual circle like we always do. Before we do that, Jill, do you want to tell people how they can get a hold of us if they would like? Sure. You can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. I don't think there's any like super exciting programs going on right now that people need to know about. So I don't think so. All right. Well, let's just get into it. Well, that's not true. The Harry Potter was extended. So if you did not take advantage of having, um, being able to get the first Harry Potter book in ebook and audiobook in all sorts of languages with no wait list, you can do it um, now through the end of the month. Yeah, you sure can. The end of this month again, like you said. Again. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's start with Andrea. Like I said, we'll just go around in a circle for a while and throw out some book recommendations, like always. Okay, so my current read is actually a reread. It's A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, who, if you haven't figured out by now, is one of my faves. 
Um, I was actually talking to Christina about something and she inspired me to reread it. So that's how I'm using my time. And if you haven't heard of it, it's a retelling of Beauty and the Beast with a fairy lore to it. So Feyre kills a fairy and then as part of like the treaty between fairies and humans, she has to spend the rest of her life living in Prithian. And it does have a lot of Beauty and the Beast. There's a evil sorceress. There's, I don't want to say enchanted objects, fairies, enchanted fairies. Um, and then she ends up having to save all of the fairy realm from this evil sorceress. Are you notice? Is this like, is this your first reread of these? I feel like it's probably not. No, I, I reread this one when of Court and Mist and Fury came out back in the day. And I was actually, when I was talking to Christina, I was like, of Court of Thrones and Roses came out in 2015. And I, I don't understand how that was five years ago. <laughs> so I'm actually just going to, so I'm going to reread the whole series. So it'll be my first reread for the second and third book. Nice. Um, are you noticed? Did you just start doing this like, um, re- a couple days ago? So, or? No, I started rereading it in April and I, beginning of April and I didn't finish it. And I'm still like in the first third of the book. So it's taking me a while just because mm-hmm. I'm so busy with work and the children and that. So by the time they're in bed, I'm like, I just need mindless TV. I just need to stare into nothingness and not think or even flip pages. Listen, this is a safe space. I I don't have kids and I am still struggling with focusing on reading. So the fact that you're doing any. (laughs) And I think it's helping that it's a reread because I'm not having to remember too much because I'm already like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Mm hmm. So that's kind of, I feel like, saving me from being like, oh, this book is just, I can't get into it kind of deal. <laughs> like, it's, I know it's not a DNF. It's just, I just don't have time in the brain capacity mm-hmm. to read every night. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. Abby, how about you? What's your first one? Um, yeah, so over the past couple of quarantine weeks, I've been trying to do some escapism and just go into a completely different world. Um, so I actually just finished last night Three Dark Crowns by, uh, I think it's Kendari Blake. And the premise is amazing and it hooked me right away. So it's a matriarchal, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's a society uh, run by women. And every generation of queens is born a triplet and they all have different powers. So there's a naturalist, an elementalist, and a poisoner. And when they're six, they're split up from each other and they're raised until they're 16. And then in the years from when they're 16 to 17, they have to try and kill each other. And the one who survives and kills the other two becomes the next queen. And then until she's the queen, until she has her next, until she has a set of triplets, um, and then it starts all over again until this one follows um, some triplets at the beginning of their 16th year. And I just finished it and it was amazing. And I actually already checked out the second one and I started it at like midnight last night. <laughs> uh, so it's amazing. And if anyone is hoping to escape this world, that is a wonderful one to dive into. Yo, was that one that you read? I feel I like. I did. Yeah. yeah. What's not to love about that premise? I mean, you got like triplets, queens, poisoners. Come on, like that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Separated, not at first, but still like that separated thing. Right, right, yeah. And they're trying to try and kill each other. I mean, come on. What's not to love about that? (laughs) That's fabulous. 
I mean, sometimes I dream about killing my brother, but I don't think I can actually go through with it. <laughs> Couldn't actually go through with it? Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. so far. <laughs> don't, yeah. Th- you know, don't sell yourself short. You'll see what happens. It's... <laughs> Uh, I don't have a bear, so. That's fair. Okay. Uh, Jill, how about you? So I'm currently reading Hidden Valley Road um, by Robert Kolker. This was one of my April picks, I think. I can't remember. It was, I think, I think so. it was April. So this is about a, um, it's, it's a nonfiction book about a family in Colorado. Um, most of the book takes place in like the 60s and 70s so far. Um, where they have 12 children. There are 10 boys and two girls, and the girls are actually the last two. And of the 10 boys, six of them um, have schizophrenia. And so the book is about how um, this family, you know, the kids were born and dealing with schizophrenia at a time when uh, psychiatry was still trying to even figure out what schizophrenia was. And a lot of conversations about, you know, is it a question of nurture or nature? And then they have this family that comes along with six kids who have it. And it's really good. Um, It's split sort of, you know, like part of the time they're talking about uh, the, the, the family and sort of how they discovered each of the boys um, have it and sort of their struggles and their hospital visits. And, and in each, it presents differently in each of them um, in terms of, you know, like it presents differently. Um, And then it also talks and goes through a history sort of of psychiatry and um, mental health and sort of diagnosing mental health and defining mental health of, of various degrees. So it's really interesting. I will say though, it, you're talking about like you like reading rereads because you don't have to remember stuff or it's, you know, you like already know it. I had to bookmark the page in the prologue. They talked about which six boys end up being diagnosed with schizophrenia. And I had to bookmark it because I kept having to go back because I couldn't remember when I was reading it. Like, well, I'm like, is, kids, how could they possibly well, remember right. which I'm like, is this one of them? And like the names are all somewhat familiar. Like I think like three or four of them have names that start with J there's like five that start with M so, um, yeah, I had, I had a bookmark it, so I had to keep going back, uh, <laughs> remembering which ones had. I feel like you're going to have 12 kids. You need to have very distinct names. You would think so, you know? but whatever. Um, I think now, though, I think we're at a point where all of them, I think there's one left who, at this stage in the book, um, and in their family history, it has not presented yet. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know a lot about schizophrenia. Um, and... You know me, I, I like to read books about mental health because who knows why. Um, and it's just sort of how this family fits into the whole puzzle um, that is still sort of going on uh, all these decades later about that particular um, illness. So, anytime you're, Andrew, you're talking about having distinct names, and anytime I hear somebody talk about like lots and lots of names, there's a part in Goodwill Hunting, which I love, when Will, when Will pretends to have like nine brothers and sisters, and the girl he's dating is like, name all of them. And he's like, Maki, Ricky, Timmy, Tommy, and like all of the names are like basically identical, and I don't know why it's for me. 
think of that. You're absolutely right, especially in books. Like they need, to, please make them different or, or else it's like impossible. I know it's, I mean, the fact that it's a family. Yeah. Like that's always the one rule when you're writing fiction is to make distinct names mm-hmm. uh, specifically for this reason. When it's a family and it's real life, it's a little, got to yeah. go with the names you have, but yeah, it's a little confusing. <laughs> <at times. laughs> totally, that's totally fair. Um, so I'm, listening right now to the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, but I feel like we talk about Grady Hendrix every single episode, so I'm going to bypass that because we've recommended that several times, but it is fabulous, and I highly recommend it, and the, um, the audiobook is read by Bonnie Turpin, so Jill, if you haven't listened to it I have yet. I've not listened to it yet. It's That's really, yeah. Adding to my list, please. Thank you. Delightful. Um, so my actual first recommendation is The Reason You're Alive by Matthew Quick. Um, this is, uh, Matthew Quick is the guy who wrote Silver Lines Playbook, and he actually, he was one of our like, first interviews, I think it was like four years ago, so it was a really long time ago, um, and we weren't talking about this book when I interviewed him, so you might not have heard of it, but it's just this really interesting story of this uh, Vietnam veteran who comes back, and he is in his like late 60s or maybe early 70s at the time of the story, and he crashes his car and this test reveals that he has a brain tumor um, that he is attributing to wartime. And like, it, it seems like he doesn't have much time to live. So he's going throughout his life and he wants to um, return something that he got from this person that he stole it from, who was a native American. Uh, he was a, like an, he was an officer and the native American was beneath him in the army and he was ordered to discipline him and he was really really horrible to him because you find out very quickly that our main character is not politically correct at all like he is super crass and he seemingly hates people who are different from him different but like you slowly learn that he's not it's just the way that he was brought up and the way that he talks and he says things that aren't super great but you find out he's actually a really good person and he connects with um, his son and his grandson and like he says all these things that you're just like oh my god I can't who would think like or see those types of things and I've just been thinking a lot about like everything going on in our country how like, there's no dialogue anywhere anymore if someone disagrees with you one way or the other it's just like there's no way to have a conversation and this book starts off with this character you would imagine would be that exact way where it's like oh this guy hates everyone who isn't a straight white American and if you come to realize like he has strong feelings about the way that he describes people, but he really has a good heart. And it's, um, it's all about like prejudices and overcoming them and changing your minds on things. And it's just really, really good. And again, it's something I've been thinking a lot about just like watching all these ludicrous protests and everything like that. So uh, that's the reason you're alive by Matthew quick. Uh, Andrea. So I'm going to keep the retelling train going. Um, so one of my favorite retelling authors is, let me go over to, um, Carolyn Turgeon. She's wrote a couple. There's one on Cinderella. There's one where she combines, um, Rapunzel and Snow White, which is pretty cool. But her, the fav, my favorite one is Mermaid. And she takes the Hans Christian Andersen version and tells the story from the point of, um, Princess Lena, who's the mermaid, and Princess Marguerite, Marguerite, who is the woman who finds him on the beach after the mermaid saves him. I almost called her Ariel, but that's <laughs> not right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it does the thing where, you know, Princess Lena saves the prince 
from the ocean, brings him to the beach. Princess Marguerite finds him on the beach. But in this version, um, he is the prince of her father, their kingdom's like rival kingdom. And so she thinks the mermaid brought the prince to her as kind of like a sign of like, she's the re she's going to bring the peace to the two kingdoms and this is how it's going to happen. But then of course, Princess Lena is off of line of like, I fell in love with this man and this human and now I'm going to be human too. And this, that follows that whole trajectory. Um, but she really like flips the story. So you're kind of like sympathizing with both women, woman mermaid. Um, and she really, I read it a couple years ago in like one sitting. Um, but it's a really, really interesting take on the two stories. And I love, I won't obviously spoil it, um, but I do love how she brings kind of closure to both stories and you're not, not mad at who wins the prince. But yeah, I thought it was a really, she does really good stories. Like I think how she interweaved Rapunzel and Snow White was really cool too. But she does take like the, the grim versions where it's darker, it's not as happy, you know, limbs are lost. <laughs> blood is spouted everywhere like but yeah they're very interesting takes on on those old stories nice abby and you're muted by the way just fyi yeah i had to mute myself because 11 ish is when the male person comes and uh so my dog is barking so if you hear that it's because his mortal enemy is just driving down the street doing her business so of course yeah, we always know that when UPS drives by <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so one book that I recently read was uh, Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And I guess I'm kind of keeping up with the retelling theme too, because it's kind of a deep dive into the look of Achilles. And it's kind of been deep dive. It's kind of like a deep dive into his, the way he was raised, his mother, his lineage, um, his relationship with those around him and the fact that um, it's tough when everyone kind of knows the story, but no one knows exactly what the story is for this book. So I don't want to give anything away. So obviously everyone knows that we have an Achilles heel and she kind of turned, she does mention the Achilles heel in the book, which I thought was a nice little nod to the actual mythology that she based it off of, but it's so it's so rich in detail. And uh, I actually read it for a book club with um, some of my college teammates and we were split down the middle. Some of us liked the first half of the book, which was, uh, I fell into that camp, which was more about his journey to become Achilles. And um, it was very rich again in like character detail, character development, and there wasn't a lot of action. And then the second half of the book was about the uh, battle at Troy and the war, the 10 year war that went on there. And it was a little bit more action paced and a little bit more uh, closely what we associate with Achilles, which is the battle and his death and everything about that. So it's, um, it's really great if you like characters, if you really get into kind of the details of the story. And it's also really great if you like action because that's the second half of the story. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away, but she does a really great retelling of uh, the tale of Achilles. And she tells it from more of a personal aspect because it's actually told from the point of view of Achilles' uh, closest friends. And it's really great because you get to see this other side of Achilles that you don't hear about. Like you hear about the warrior all the time, but 
this time we get to hear more about who he was as a person, which was really cool. Madeline Miller is, she's fabulous. She's absolutely wonderful. I really like that Cersei book. Mm -hmm. Cersei's amazing. That was really good. I yeah. did the audio book of that. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous. Yeah. I just finished Cersei on Saturday when I was mulching my, my lawn. <laughs> I, uh, I had it in my audiobook and it was amazing. So I kind of flipped them. I did Song of Achilles first and mm -hmm. then Cersei. Um, and yeah, both amazing. Uh, she ties them actually together a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. The two warm days we had here in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> Isn't it such an, I, I was very happy it was Lisa on a weekend. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. But what, what is we, what are, what is a weekend? What, yeah. what a a weekend? weekend is when I'm not locked in this room. <laughs> that's fair. Jill, how about you? That's accurate. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, actually speaking of that, um, listeners would have heard all about our, 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 our harrowing tale of cats that we had last yep. week. And um, my husband turned the heat on um, this week because it's so cold in our house. And uh, the cats have discovered which corner under my futon has the vent on it. And so they're all there. They're just like huddled there. <laughs> I like look under. I'm like, why are you over in that? Oh, the vents there. I see. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I am speaking of audiobooks. Um, I just got the audiobook for Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby. Um, I love Samantha Irby. I love everything she writes. And she audio uh, she narrates the audiobooks. So if you get any of her books, um, her last one was We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. And then Needy was her first one. Um, get the audiobooks because she, she narrates them. She writes um, humorous essays about her life. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's always best to have the person who wrote this, you know, wrote them, read them. Um, and so in this one, she has quit her job. Um, where she had been working as a veterinary clinic in her previous books. Now she, of course, has these successful novels behind her. Um, and she's moved, um, you know, to the Midwest. And so it's just sort of this, like, new chapter in her life um, of, of what's going on. But she tells the stories in the incredible, amazing, humorous way that she does in all of her other books. So I am, like, I usually listen to audiobooks on the commute to work, which I don't have right now. So... Uh, trying to find time to listen to it is challenging sometimes, but I'll get through it. It's good stuff. Uh, my next one is called Point B by Drew McGarry. It just came out uh, last week. Drew is my favorite writer on all of the internet. Uh, he used to write at Deadspin, and now he writes for Vice and GQ and all sorts of different places. Um, he's actually on the podcast like oh long, long time ago. I'm just remembering, which is ridiculous that I forget and then remember these things now. Um, this is a teleportation love story is how it's described. I haven't gotten to read this yet, but I'm very, very aware of everything that's going out because I've been excited to, to see it for a long time. So basically, it's the story of this CEO and her son who they figure out how to create teleportation and it changes the world. Um, they basically reverse climate change because you don't need to worry about transportation anymore and they end wars and economic woes go away and all that stuff and it basically enables anyone in the world to go anywhere at any time just by touching a screen um, but he asks these really interesting questions about the implications of like 
okay, but that also means terrible people can go anywhere at any time and like people can commit murder and it's basically untraceable. And so it tells the story of this person who murdered someone and then they're the person who was murdered's 17 year old sister becomes like determined to hunt down the person who hunt who murdered his her sister um but like doesn't know where they are and they can be anywhere at any given time uh, and then at the same time uh she starts falling in love with her roommate who happens to be the daughter of the ceo of the company that created this teleportation situation and just like it takes you all over the world and all these different places because Drew is a traveling reporter. He's covered a lot of different places. So he's able to do a lot of really, really uh, in-depth detail about all these various places. And he's just, the way he writes is so funny and dark and like, he's just so well-versed. Uh, he's such an intelligent man, but he's also just like a giant nerd. So like he'll be talking about um, economic policies of the current, situation going on in the country and then like in the next line he'll make a joke about like Dobby dying and saving Harry Potter's life he just like does it's it's amazing um his book The Hike which was his most recent book has the absolute best ending to a book I've ever read and it happens all on the last page and it like just takes your breath away so really excited to read this um he also has another one called uh post postmortem which is fabulous as well or sorry post the postmortal not postmortem um, both of them are phenomenal. So anything that Drew McGarry writes, you should definitely look up and point B is his newest one. Uh, Andrea, just keep on rolling. Keep on keeping on. Um, all right. So since I haven't really read too much recently, I'm dove, dove into one of my um, favorites, The Time Traveler's Wife by Audrey Neffiger, which is equally heartwarming and just utterly heartbreaking and heart-wrenching and tear-inducing. It's a really great review, isn't it? <laughs> Read it, you'll sob. Um, so it's the story of um, Henry and Claire, who, and Henry is a time traveler, but he just kind of time travels when his body decides it's time to try and travel and when. So he, it's not like he gets, it's not really cool where he gets to pick, um, but it's the love story between himself and his wife, Claire, and his story kind of, bounces all over the place but then hers is a little more linear because she's living her life linear um and it's about how they've developed this bond and he's known her since or she's known him since she was like a little six seven year old but he doesn't really meet her until he's in college and so it's like this i don't know it's just like this beautiful love story un uncommon that's not the word i don't like that word but <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, love story between these two people and it's just, it's beautiful and it's, again, heart-wrenching and heartbreaking, but it's, it's a nice, easy read minus the sobbing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely a good, good book to read now when maybe times aren't so great. And you need something a little warming. I love that book. It, yeah, it like broke me the first time I read it. <laughs> It um, breaks me every, I read it a like, couple times, but every time it breaks me, even though I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen. I yeah. know. Um, fun fact, probably none of you care, but some of our listeners might. Um, so on the wall behind me, I have a poster of the TARDIS um, from Doctor Who. And there is a, a character, my favorite character from Doctor Who is um, one of the companions named River Song. And her um, character is very similar to the time traveler's wife. Uh, and, oh, she's actually closer to Henry, but they were inspired by that book. Oh, um, really? Yeah, to create like how 
her she time travels and the doctor uh, does you know it doesn't matter anyway it's like <laughs> also then like this is gonna get super confusing let's just say that there is a whole <laughs> relationship in the, t- the doctor who uh universe that was inspired by the time traveler's wife yeah okay see i don't watch doctor who but i think that's pretty cool yeah because it, it happens very similar to how you know they meet where the doctor meets river and river has known the doctor for centuries decades whatever and he's like i have no idea who you are um which always makes me think of of yeah when claire and henry uh meet so yeah because when they first meet she's like oh my god it's you he's like who are you right (laughs) (laughs) and she's like all excited and he like even tells her at one point he's like you gotta cut me a break yeah he's like i know that you've known me for decades he's like but i met you like two months ago right yeah so amazing uh abby um yeah so something else i'm keeping with my escapism here this was a great idea and also a bad idea so i read the unhoneymooners by christina lauren and it was a great idea because it was light and fun and kind of just what i needed to keep things light around the house um but it was a terrible idea because now i desperately want to go on a tropical vacation (laughs) um so the story is about olive torres whose twin gets married to a man that she doesn't really like, but she absolutely hates his brother, also his best man. And she's obviously the maid of honor. So they're having to work together at the wedding and everyone at the wedding eats the buffet, except for Olive and the best man, Olive, because she has a shellfish allergy. And then um, the brother, Ethan, because he thinks buffets are gross and germ ridden. Um, and everyone who eats the buffet gets some kind of foodborne illness and immediately throws up in the middle of Olive's toast. And they, the doctors came and said, everyone's going to be sick for two weeks. And the bride, Amy, had won a sweepstakes that allowed her to take a free Maui hun- honeymoon with her, with her selected partner, who was obviously her brother, um, uh, who was obviously her husband. And because Amy and Olive are identical twins, Amy insists that she take, that Olive take Amy's ID and go on the trip so that it doesn't go to waste because it's non-refundable, non-negotiable, all that good stuff. And because her designated traveler was only someone with her husband's last name, she didn't have to give his first name, Ethan, the brother, goes with her. So these two really hate each other and they're going on a 10-day trip to Maui where they have to spend all the time together, pretend to be married, take a flight together, and obviously hijinks ensue. Um, One of the main themes of the book is that Olive thinks that she has the worst luck in the world. And her first day at the hotel, um, Olive was fired from her job two months ago. At the airport, she got offered a job at the company that she really wanted, and she accepted. So it looks like her luck is changing. She didn't get sick at the wedding. She got a free trip to Maui. And she just got offered her dream job. Her first day at the resort, she goes to the spa and sees the CEO of her new company and tells him that, yeah, I'm on my honeymoon with my new husband. And again, hijinks ensue. It is wonderful. It's light. But um, Lauren Christina describes the island in such 
beautiful detail and all of the luxuries of the hotel that I was just sitting there wishing I could go back on my honeymoon where I didn't have to worry about anything. I could eat all the food I wanted and just lay on a beach with a book all day. So you're telling me this is like a tempered version of enemies to lovers. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. That's, you could have just said that and I would have been like, all right, well, add it to my list then. Sounds like a movie Jason. <laughs> it was wonderful. I mean, it was wonderfully predictable and it was just, it was a total comfort read and I was, it was great. And I listened to it. So that was again, while I mulched my yard, I could kind of pretend that the sun that we rarely have in Ohio was the Maui sun. And I was laying on a beach with a book. Having got to spend my honeymoon in Maui, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> our sun is nothing like the sun there. I'll leave, I'll leave you at that. Uh, Same sun, Adam. Wow. Learn science. <laughs> I will not. Yeah, Learn science. <laughs> don't don't burst my bubble. Don't all right. What to do? We like to, on this side of the Zoom call. We like to look on the bright side of things. We like to be glass half full. <laughs> yeah, my glass is empty. So you sit there in your hoodie and your beanie. <laughs> yeah, like I said, my glass is empty. Um, Jill, do you, do you have another one? I do. So this is actually, um, I, I literally just got the digital arc for this and I'm very excited. It doesn't come out till September. So apologies on that. But for those, no, no, no. For those who don't know, Ruth Ware has a new book coming out in September. So I'm telling you this now. Smart. So Someone you can screenshot Abby's face right now, please. So you can put it on hold. <laughs> this is why I'm, I know this is what I'm saying. So, um, I love Ruth Ware and Every time she has a new book, I get to talk about it. Um, and so this one is called One by One. And it, you know, like all of her books, um, takes place. She does sort of like the Agatha Christie style, you know, like locked room, one place, everyone dies, somebody dies. Um, in this case, it is a beautiful rustic mountain chalet. Um, that sounds great. And it's a corporate retreat. <laughs> <laughs> So coworkers start dying. I mean, I don't know. That sounds like good stuff to me. No, so, uh, <laughs> no would you care to name names after Adam Sapp's recording? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just kidding. Yeah, so they get snowed in um, at this company retreat and, um, you know, things happen. And I'm sure people die because that's what happens in her books. And I love them because they always keep me guessing um about what's going to happen she's really good about about that um and so i'm i got this yeah i just got the the advanced copy and it's gonna be really hard to not read it this afternoon so i love how things happen it's just an all-encompassing term that everybody ever uses when describing a book and it's like and then things happen well i mean you know <laughs> no i know i know you don't want to give it away but you're also like how else do i describe it other than things happen. I just love that it's a corporate retreat. I mean, I feel like when it comes to these sorts of books, I don't know if I've really ever come across one that deals with um, it being in a like business coworker group or setting where things happen. You know what I mean? Like, even really? like outside of like Ruth Ware's books, just like in general with this genre, um, I feel this is a, a twist and a unique spin on it that I've not come across before. Uh, the really escape good. room 
is one that I can think of, but that's the only one that I can think of. Yeah. And Good I didn't stuff. like that one very much, but I know I'm going to like this Ruth Ware one. Yeah. Because she's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. So every time we've done one of these, I have done a biography or a memoir. So keeping with that, uh, in the past, they talk about it all the time. I love, love, love comedic memoirs. And so um, I'm a big, giant stand-up comedy and sketch comedy nerd. Um, and so I must say by Martin Short is just awesome. Uh, so Martin Short is one of these people. There's like a couple different, just insanely talented groups of comedians who all come up at the same time, like over history. And he happens to be one of them. Um, Martin Short is from Canada and he got famous on SCTV. But he, like, the, there's this legendary Toronto production of Godspell that he was a part of. And it had, when they were very, very young, uh, him, Eugene Levy, Andrew Martin, Gilda Radner, and Dave Thomas, um, and Paul Schaefer. And they're all just in this together. And they come up and obviously Martin Short goes on to do, you know, a million different things just like the rest of them. But um, his memoir is all about his, like, lifelong friendship with Steve Martin and all the he they go through all of the various massive things that he did like Saturday Night Live and Three Amigos and Father the Bride and uh Jiminy Glick and all sorts of just iconic things that Martin Short has done um so if you like stand-up comedy or sketch comedy or Broadway anything like that he's just he's one of those larger than life characters which is funny because he's actually a very very tiny person in real life um but I learned this week so I was listening to the Mark to Mark Maron's podcast, and he had Dan Levy on, who was obviously talking about Schitt's Creek and the end of Schitt's Creek. Um, and I learned that much like uh, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, how they're like best friends and they see each other every single day. Apparently, Martin Short and Eugene Levy are like neighbors, and so Eugene Levy will just come down to his kitchen to have coffee one day, and like Martin Short will just be hanging out there. And just the idea of like your backdoor neighbor is a comedic legend and you are also a comedic legend like those i actually want books about these types of relationships because they're just my favorite things ever like tina fey and amy poehler like all of these just hilarious people who i just can't imagine a world where like billy eichner would call me just to have a conversation like and that's what martin short and uh eugene levy do which made my day and it made me think about this book again so um yeah if you're a, like I said, if you're a fan of comedy i must say by martin short it's just a must read um do you guys have one more we can just kind of go quick maybe no okay yeah i can do one more i'll let you two do one more i don't know that i do or jill does <laughs> okay yeah what, what you guys got um so i'll go along the uh memoir track with beauty in the broken places by allison pataki so this is a story about a girl named lucky sorry britney spears reference <laughs> but, um, but i got it <laughs> thank you jill Jesus I got star. it. I got it. Um, so Allison is five months pregnant, and she and her husband, like, hold on, let me confirm. Dave, yes, Dave, um, are on a flight to Hawaii for their baby moon. And she looks over at him, and it's, he looks a little, little weird. And then he passes out, and he's like thirty-two, perfectly healthy. Turns out he suffered a life-threatening and very rare stroke. So she there, I think they just landed somewhere randomly. I want to say it was like North Dakota and she's alone in the hospital room. Her husband's on life support. She's by herself. She's five months pregnant 
And when he wakes up, he's having a lot of trouble remembering hour to hour and basically is an entirely different person when he wakes up. Um, and then, you know, they go back to New York City and it's about her, her life and like trying to cope with her husband's illness while also being super pregnant and then also having a newborn. Um, and to cope, she ends up writing him letters to kind of like preserve their past, work on their present, kind of work towards the future of staying together and working through his illness. And it's all about how she falls back in love with her husband. Her, I, want, I don't want to say new husband, um, but it's just, it's a really uplifting, beautiful story of their relationship and how, and she doesn't put rose colored glasses on. She says it's really, really hard. She's like, there are times when, you know, middle of the night, my newborn's screaming and my husband can't do anything to help because he's so sick that she's like, I just wanted to leave. Um, but it's about overcoming, you know, the cards that she's been dealt and how they got through this and how they strengthen their relationship and how now he's, he's very healthy and they have a beautiful child together. And it's, it's very heartlifting, very emotional, very warm, but beautiful story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little rough, um, but spoiler alert, they do, they're still together. <laughs> um, they do make it through, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a heavy read, but it's emotional. And like I said, it does, you know, end happily, yeah. but it, it's just about finding the love and the beauty and all the broken pieces and hard spots of life. And I guess it's a little appropriate for the timing as well. Yeah, let's say so. Woof, a goof. Abby, you want to bring us home? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll end us on a happy note. So uh, I'll end us on a happy note, but I did um, do, I will do a biography and it is Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Stories and Advice for Living Your Best Life by Ali Wong, the comedian. And it was hilarious. I did not stop laughing the whole time. Like I was walking around my house cackling and my husband was like, what are you doing? And I was like, shh, shh I'm listening. Um, so it was, so it was kind of a biography, but it was based on the premise that she's writing letters to her two daughters and so every chapter starts with dear girls um and she's saying hopefully by the time you read this you are at least 21 um because <laughs> i don't know if anyone's ever listened to ali wong's uh stand up but it is a little raunchy little and her book yeah little raunchy little um so yeah uh so fair warning to everyone the book is if possible even more raunchy than than her stand-up so everything that she says even the serious stuff is really funny and I think she gets into some really great she dives into the depths about being uh half Vietnamese and half Chinese and um so she delves into dating and dating a white person versus dating an Asian person and then dating an Asian person who is different Asian than her because her husband is half Filipino and half Japanese. Um, so that is really interesting. She talks about her family. She talks about how it become, how her life as being a stand-up comedian has worked. She delves into motherhood and working motherhood particularly, which I was really interested to learn her perspective just because of the amount of work and travel that goes into being a stand-up comedian. So in addition to her jobs writing movies and writing for TV shows, she also still does full um, stand-up almost full-time. And she talks about her and her husband's relationship and how he kind of 
took a step back from his career so they could focus on her career and the family. Um, and I thought it was a really refreshing take on um, kind of, I don't think he's a complete stay-at-home dad. I do think he has a job, um, but I've had a stay-at-home dad growing up. So I thought it was amazing to hear it reflected in such a high level. And also just, so I personally loved the perspective. And like I said, it was, uh, with my theme, it was, it was nice to escape and to just sit there and laugh for, I think it was an eight-hour book maybe. Um, so highly recommend the audiobook because Ali Wong uh, reads it herself and her inflection is just spot on. <laughs> yeah, I feel like any, any comedic memoir biography or autobiography, you should always listen to the audiobooks if you can. Um, all of those will be in our show notes. I tweeted earlier this week for asking what people have been enjoying reading lately. And I said, I might read some of the recommendations on the podcast, but we got way too many. So just go to our Twitter. Um, <clears throat> there's about a bunch of more really good recommendations there, but I mean, we gave you like 12 or 14 here. So I don't want to overwhelm you with the like 25 that were over there as well. So, um, anything else, Jill, you can think of? I don't think so. I don't think so either. All right. Well, hope you guys are doing all right. If you need additional recommendations, shoot us an email or a tweet or anything like that. Um, hope you're staying safe and hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.